You're listening to the iRacers Lounge Podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Adam Jocelyn. What up? Chris Scales. Good evening. New NIS winner, David Hall. Old NIS winner. It's number four. Tony Groves. Evening, gents. And special guest, Colin Keith. Going on, guys? Hey, welcome. Well, thanks for coming on, Colin. Uh, Want to get to know you. Uh, brought you on. You're obviously part of the Coke series and uh, trying to get to talk to all the drivers over there. And obviously, you're involved and, and doing well. So we want to hear about uh, your your uh, climb to the top series of iRacing and how you got there. But let's start at the beginning uh, what brought you to iRacing? When did you first hear the word iRacing, and what did you do about it? Um, well, I used to play uh, just the NASCAR games on the PS3, and I got in with a group of guys playing with them in a league on NASCAR 9, and they all eventually got iRacing, and I'd say they probably had it for a few months. This was in 2012. They had it for a few months, and they were telling me all about it, and I finally got myself a computer. And got the wheel and been racing ever since. All right. Very good. And um, tell us about, you know, what series are you running besides the Coke series? Or what did you run in the off series? Are you doing any league or hosted? What else do you run? Um, Mainly A-fixed, B-fixed, C-fixed. And I run the national cars every once in a while. And, of course, uh, now NIS has started up. I enjoy running those races. Leagues, I really don't. I run the leagues every once in a while, but I, I can't stay committed. I, I'll run a few races and then not show up the next week. Right, right. Now, you did pretty good in C trucks. I actually have some season one stats now that season one is concluded. And guess what? Your name's at the top of the list in best win percentage at 71% in 14 starts. So that means you won 71% of 14 starts. Uh, William Byron, uh, notably was 40% in 25 starts and he was on that list as well. But, uh, what do you think about that? You also had 86% at a podium finish in those 14 starts. Uh, what are you doing there in C trucks? That's pretty awesome. Um, I just, honestly, I, I really enjoy the truck. I think the truck is probably my best car on the entire service. And anytime I run those races, I just. It's all about if you can qualify up front, you're usually good for the race. And I've been very fortunate to qualify really well. And then all my race just goes very smooth. And I'm able to finish up front just about every time. Okay, so being a truck racer, how do you feel about being left out of the biggest truck race probably to date, which was uh, the Road to Pro this week? Uh, man, it was like the highest strength of field ever. Uh, you probably wanted to run that, but uh, you're actually not allowed because you're a black stripe, right? Yeah, that's correct. We're not allowed to run, but I, I honestly, like, I was kind of antsy. I wanted to race it, but of course I couldn't. I enjoyed watching it too. It wasn't as nerve wracking. All right, so fun to watch and uh, be a spectator there. Well, your o- overall oval winning percentage is forty percent on your profile. Pretty good number. Uh, so let's keep moving. Let's switch gears to hardware, software. What are you running with wheels and pedals, monitors, VR, and then like any third-party software? Um, I got a Logitech G29 uh, pedals and the wheel, and I have a uh, 
Asus 24-inch monitor, 144 hertz. And All right. Yep. Pretty simple set setup uh, compared to others. Uh, just a simple wheel and pedals and one monitor. What about like uh, TeamSpeak, but anything else besides that? Um, No, I usually just, we'll use Discord every once in a while, but main platform TeamSpeak. You know, I, uh, I'm on with a bunch of group of guys with Dead Zone, and we have our own TeamSpeak, and we're usually all in there talking and racing together. All right, so let's talk about Dead Zone a little bit. And, um, you know, you, you've been on that team, and and your finishes this year so far, 14th, uh, pretty good there, and that considering that uh, wreck at the end, and uh, then 27th. And then how you looking, you know, coming up for the next race? I, I'm, I'm pretty... Uh upset about that 27th place finish there at auto club that was we got we had a pretty good car starting the back and was able to get to the front but it didn't work out too well but for auto or for homestead up this upcoming race i think we got a pretty good piece been putting in some practice laps and if the car feels good we'll just have to see how it runs in the dirty air all right very good um let's talk about uh the coke team you know roush fenway uh, your trip to Charlotte, that kind of thing. I know you guys got to go to Charlotte and, and meet up with iRacing and NASCAR. What did you think about that and being able to uh, see what, you know, those other competitors? Yeah, that was pretty awesome because, I mean, up until that point, we just know each other from hearing voices and racing against each other on the track. And I really think it, it helped everybody to, like, we connected better in person than maybe, like, you might have some feuds in the sim racing against each other but those were all dispersed once we got to meet each other in person and we uh i, I mean it's it's crazy how far this series is common what it's what it's going to yeah absolutely so um looking at the points uh as they stand today it, i mean you're still 18th you know considering that 27th though yeah that's that's a good thing i'm still in the top 20 points so that's good but i'll tell you i i really want to of course, everybody wants to win the championship, but I'm really shooting for that. And I think we just got to get some good finishes. I think I can get up front, run well yeah. in these races. Yeah, it's early in the season, so you definitely got some time to to get it going. So we got to see a video uh, put out by iRacing. Uh, with, they called it the Driver Pairings Reveal. And it like showed you on the video and red on your face. Tell us what all that was about in Charlotte. I, obviously, you guys filmed that stuff. How, what was that like being in front of the camera? Yeah, that that was pretty interesting because I mean I've never really been in front of a camera like that. But they had us. We had to take so many pictures with different angles and pretending there was like a trophy in front of us pointing to it. And it, it was pretty cool. All the stuff they were having us do. They were telling us that that was like the NASCAR drivers do that same thing. Right, exactly. Uh, well, I think it came out really good. The video uh, was nice um, that they put together. And it's good to, I think, for us as the fans to be able to see you guys' face and kind of um, make sure, you know, I can place your face with, you know, when I hear your name, you know, hear your voice or see you on track, you know, in your colors. You know, you can kind of put all that together. And so it really is helpful. Um, i really glad that they did that. I thought it was very worthy. Uh, let's shift gears. Uh, one of the final questions we have is, what is your most memorable iRacing moment so far? Um, I guess my most memorable moment would just would be making into this series because that's, that's what I've been shooting for for a long time. And I wanted to be in the top, the, uh, top series of iRacing. And now that I'm here, I'm 
very happy, and I'm sure the next I would really like to get a win in this series. Well, hang in there. Um, you got a lot of good opportunities with the guys at Dead Zone. Um, tell us, I mean, about your team around your car. I mean, do you have a spotter? Do you have a particular crew chief, or uh, you know, who's working on your car? Um, the the setup builders we have are uh, Houston Hamer and Dustin Langert, and they they usually they do the setup building through the two week period we have from race to race, and then once we get to the race, I have a. Uh, Ty Bass and Colin Bowden as spotters, and then Justin Knobloch, he's my crew. All right, double spotters, uh, that's great. <laughs> so do you have one like that's doing up close spotting, like a TJ Majors kind of thing, and then another guy looking at the big picture? Uh, I'd say uh, Ty, usually, Ty will do the spotting looking, calling me three wide and clear and far low or anything like that, but then... Colin, he'll let me know like when are when are people pitting or if they're changing a lot, like running a different line on the track, and he'll let me know all that stuff. All right, very good. Um, well, thank you so much for uh, coming on, Colin uh, Keister. Uh, tell us, you know, can people watch you on the Twitch or the Twitter or the Facebook? Uh, yeah, on uh, my Twitter account is just Colin Keister, just my name. And then on I stream every once in a while on Twitch. I need to start doing that more, but my Twitch is. Mr. Underscore Keister. Okay, very good. It's always fun to watch those. Yeah, try to fire that up for the Coke race. But <laughs> I, they also have those cameras pointing at your face. Is uh, that any different, knowing that you, they can always see you? Well, they actually uh, they let us know before the race who will have the onboard camera. And actually, for this week, I will be one of the onboard cameras. So that'll be interesting. <laughs> I have to make yeah, sure you- I'm keeping it together not uh, the good the audio is muted but you never know what's if you get frustrated you never know what you're gonna see right right <laughs> all right well thank you so much for coming on uh colin keeser good luck in the coke series we uh hope to see you get that first win here shortly so go get it man thanks man i appreciate i, I appreciate you guys having me all right thank you all right let's keep going into stories next uh david hall the big one was the release notes for Season 2, Patch 1. <clears throat> Are you there? Sorry about that. Yeah, yeah. I had to clear my throat. Yes, and, um, and it, it, it was a pretty expansive patch. Uh, made a lot of changes. There were some, particularly with the new damage model, there were some visual scrape effects that have been updated. Also, opponent cars will should now better detect the track bumps and curbing and appropriately make contact if collision is detected. They also fixed an issue where the opponent cars were snagging bodywork and were breaking wheels on curbing when they shouldn't have been. And also the cars that are using the new damage model will now correctly ignore car and part collisions while they are in the pits. And then um, they also made some changes to the AI racing, Chris. The AI opponent rosters may now be sorted. The process for handling invalid AI opponent roster data has been improved. Valid AI opponent rosters are now displayed even when invalid AI opponent rosters are, are also present. The process for copying AI opponent rosters has been improved, and the toggle for disabling car decals and numbers is now available when setting up AI races. Say what? Yeah, I don't know what most of that means. I haven't done enough AI racing, but for people <laughs> that have been setting up a lot of those, some of that probably makes sense. Well, it's easier than it sounds, guys. Uh, really, when I've used AI, I haven't made anything. I go on to trading paints, and you like get collections. And then when you're in the AI to set it up, you pick that collection, 
and it like loads in the driver's names and the numbers and the paints and the, everything. Can you as load as, in other? Go ahead, David. As far as ovals, we still just have the plate tracks, right? Right. And can you load in other guys' settings? So, like, let's say if somebody makes you know, gets the settings right, like at Daytona, and makes a really good race, can they share those? I don't know. I'm not too that that familiar with it yet. I, I think cool. so, but I'm not certain. Uh, base shaker was the next thing that was fixed. Uh, base shaker will now only buzz when the pit speed limiter is actually limiting the engine RPMs. The base shaker will now use engine red line rather than shift RPM if the car is not equipped with a rev limiter. And internal cache size is now limit, limited to prevent latency. And so I've actually had problems with the base shaker working ever since the patch. And I have not figured it out yet. But more to that later. And then, Tony, they fixed the clubs a little bit. Well, I don't know so much as they fixed it. do have a brand new club. And that club is the Africa slash South Africa club. So all members on the African continent have been moved to this club and have been assigned uh, to it in, in the members' forums. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. So these members have been put in this new club for the start of the season two. And... Oh, I didn't even know this really, but all the, all members of this club were previously in the international club. New artwork is available in the paint shop for the club. Lots of club, very much club. We love club. So it's a little odd that they have to include South Africa separately from the rest of Africa. Yeah, why is there a slash? Why can't it just be Club Africa, right? It probably because it's a continent, right? Slight, yeah, it's a continent. It probably has to do a little bit with the the slightly different colonial history it has. Anyway. Adam. All right. Ty Majeski's paint scheme is now available as a free fixed paint scheme. This paint scheme is now available as paint pattern two. The original paint pattern number two has been moved to paint number 25. Man, I like that paint job too. We were talking about that last time. Yeah, it's like. And that's, that's on the truck. Yep. It's only on the Silverado though. I don't know if it's on the Toyota. Okay, next up. Uh... A updated tire parameter explanation. We kind of talked about this before, and it, they wanted to elaborate a little bit uh, to clear up some confusion. And they basically say, from this point on, you won't see us referring to tire advancements by number anymore, as most cars have unique tire compositions. It actually causes confusion by grouping updates in such a broad manner. On the whole, we feel that the latest tire modeling is a huge step forward compared to what came before it. We've taken a very different approach to capturing the behavior of rubber, and this has allowed us to build tires with a more realistic slip curve and more appropriate responses at and over the limit. Um, and they go on to talk a little bit more about the tire and uh, what they're doing. But basically, they're saying, you know, each car has got a unique uh, setup pretty much. So you can't just say, okay, we got version seven out on, you know, all the cars or version six on all the cars kind of thing. Another, go ahead, Tony. Another important thing to, to note, like when they release the, uh, all the notes for the patches and the builds, um, they won't have like an actual tire s section anymore because of this. So you have to go and find the car that you're driving and they, they will post all the changes to the tire with that specific car. Yeah, you scroll down to the bottom where they have the Audi or whatever, and it'll be listed there what they did, right? Yeah, and basically what the Tire 7 model has brought in is a, a completely physics-based composition approach. They've, they've, we've talked about it, and they've talked about it. They're, they're modeling what the tire is made of now instead of just doing grip characteristics. 
Okay. Sounds complicated, but that's good. Um, I think I like the new tire model, you know, from what I've felt of it so far. So kudos. All right, Chris Scales, how about Flappy Bird? Yeah, Bottom Split tweeted up uh, a picture and said, uh, the caption said, so is this what the big update was about, iRacing? And it's the flagman with his arms straight out in the air. So I guess we've seen this bug before. Yeah, in fact, the same time I found I was in an Indy car race. And I think it was after qualifying, I pull into pit road and uh, the guy in the pit is doing it while he's standing in the middle of a tire. <laughs> was he bouncing and flapping up and down? Well, the tire is halfway buried into the cement and then he's standing right in the middle of it like it's invisible. And he's got his hands kind of stuck out to each side. Maybe he's just signaling that there's a problem because that, that tire is embedded quite deep into the cement. <laughs> he's going to need some help. On it. Yeah, hey, everybody stay back. This tire is a hazard. However, that tire might actually still go on because it's a single lug nut. <laughs> well, it is interesting. Why it does it look like that? You know, I don't get it. I just... Glitch in the matrix. Okay. How about uh, Phoenix shenanigans, Tony? <laughs> shenanigans they were uh spent a lot of time doing that phoenix race i i personally did i know i was uh i think i was all alone by the end uh in team speak but um josh mertz posted up on iRacing drivers world and he wanted to take time to congratulate split 11 in nis fixed they had 29 cautions for a total of 94 laps uh which is completely believable from my experience um in a 200 then, lap race yeah that's right yeah so basically half the race you're pacing uh daniel jackson thought that his ninth split was bad with 16 cautions and i kind of split right in the middle as, um i kind of stopped looking at the the caution count but i think it was right around 21 22 cautions and you know i know we were you know at least 80 laps uh it, it was bloody terrible uh the the little uh, you know, if I think we might have had one 10 lap run now that, that part there was pretty good. We'll talk about that a little later, but, um, wow, that yellow's shining bright. President fall off the stick. I mean, how many laps can you run to have 29 cautions? I mean, uh, the longest green flag run is maybe three or four laps. I mean, it couldn't be more than that, or it, they couldn't get 29. Well, cautions breed cautions, and anytime you start to see that start to happen, everybody gets more aggressive, not less aggressive. Sounds like a bunch of rabbits that's breeding cautions, breeding 29 of them. Well, fixed is one thing. Let's talk open. Uh, we did get some stats uh, put up by Rob Crouch from Australia. He's great with the stats. Very visual and uh, easy to read. For the NASCAR iRacing Series Open Season 1, uh, you know, year to date, so to speak. Um, 2,370 drivers at averaging 2.4 starts. And uh, there's some notables in here. Chris Scales, uh, you're on the list. Uh, you're third in best average I-rating game. I made the list. Most race starts, I was eighth with 11 race starts. The most you could get, I think, is 13. And so I've, I've missed a couple, I guess. Yeah, just wait till the summer. Yep. Uh, and then largest total I-rating gain, uh, Chris Scales, you made 5th uh, overall, and then I made 10th overall in largest total I-rating gained, which I'm pretty proud of. I've gotten it up to almost 3,200, and I was like at 2,700 or so when I started the season. 
Uh, cleanest drivers. Chris, you're at the top of the list with zero incidents over 599 laps. And uh, I was there with you the other day when you broke that streak. But uh, pretty, pretty cool looking at those stats. Uh, Tony, we have some more stats about uh, 2020 versus 2019 on the Open. Yeah, that's right. And this comes uh, courtesy of uh, our friend John Hammer. And we went over this was it, uh, last week or maybe it was the week before. Um, just kind of comparing this year with the last two previous years. And we're, we're this pretty is much Phoenix. Seeing, right. Yeah. This is Phoenix only. Yeah. Yeah. The Phoenix open. Uh, and we're, we're kind of seeing this very similar trends that we talked about the last time uh, he, he posted one of these up, um, you know, participants who completed one lap or more. Um, we definitely had the most participants over the last uh, couple of years this year um, by, by a fair amount, not quite as many. I think was it Daytona. Or Vegas that we, we did this. I can't remember, but I know it, it almost doubled. But, um, you know, still we're like 200, uh, 200 participants more than uh, that showed up last year. Um, average incidents per race um, has kind of just slightly more than uh, last year, but considerably lower than 2018. Um, the one down at the, the bottom there, Mike... I, Average incidents compared to average finish position. Um, I kind of have a hard time reading this one here. I'm not exactly sure what it's saying. He's just trying to show, um, you know, the higher up you are in finish, you know, how does your incidents compare to that? But yeah, it's one of those uh, graphs. It's math. No, I think the big takeaway on this for me was the, the fall off, especially after Daytona and the first race or two, as we get into race number three and four, there's a big fall off in participation if you look at past years we're still seeing fall off but not as much to a degree um you know i think our numbers were in the thousand last time we looked at this and now they're 866 so they have fallen off but not as much as the previous where they fell clear to 660 yeah and then 2018 also held like a much bigger drop down to 531 um so i know we were talking uh, the last time we were discussing these specific type stats that, um, you know, with the big push of more people signing up to iRacing and, and participating more specifically in this series, uh, I think it just kind of strengthened that argument. Okay. And next up, uh, coronavirus has canceled the real Sebring of 12-hour, but we're going to run it on iRacing. David, uh, let's put out a final uh, call for that race coming up soon. Well, you know, this is my favorite track. Uh, me and Greg and Tom are, are over from Elite West are getting together to... Uh, to run this and here's some information about it it's running this weekend and it's running the standard emza cars you can if you don't know what those are you can look them up and there's two starting sessions and we don't have it in the notes i know that the um the saturday session is starting at one o'clock gmt which is which is actually nine o'clock eastern and when you look on their website it says uh it actually says eight o'clock standard but we've had the time shift uh, except for Mike, and so it'll be nine o'clock Eastern, and uh, the night, the Friday night one probably starts at one a.m. GMT, and uh, we're looking forward to it. They're running the same instant system where it's fifty, then twenty, then twenty, and so on with no qual disqualification. And it's going to be a little bit interesting this time because the tire has changed, um, and we'll talk about that. We we 
we didn't kind of went over that, I guess, vaguely in the patch notes, specifically on the GTE cars. They took, uh, they increased the tire wear because they don't want us double sending them. They're, or they're trying to discourage it. Then we'll also have another little special event running on Sunday. Uh, it's a solo race, IMSA 90 Minutes of Sebring, and that's featuring the TCR and the new G- Porsche GT4. I was thinking that the same people are going to be in the 12-hour race would probably run the 90-minute race. Is it going to be the same people? I'm sure a lot of people love those, you know, that like that track and like that style of racing are going to do both. I am. Yeah, and you can win uh, tickets to the IMSA event if they have it. It's hard to say with the coronavirus thing going. Yeah, November isn't necessarily a great month for me to sneak down to Sebring, but we'll see. That's when they move the race to the real one. Okay, next up, Chris, uh, Australia, get, Australia gets their own server. Yeah, beginning in 2020 Season 2, there will be a separate supercar series designed specifically for the Australians. The series will utilize the Australian servers regardless of who signs up. There will be four time slots each day, um, 4.15 GMT, 6.15 GMT, 8.15 GMT, and 10.15 GMT. This series is designed to be Australian-friendly with better time slots for our friends down under as well as keeping them on Australian servers to keep their ping down. This is pretty neat. I mean, apparently the participation is there. That would be the thing. You know, you'd want enough people um, on both ends, on our side and their side, to still have um, plenty of people to race against. But I'm guessing it's there if they're doing this. And that'll be awesome for them and for the guys over here racing that um, don't have to deal with, you know, the, the lag on their cars blinking out and i guess the only downside is some of these guys might have been racing against each other a lot and now a lot of their australian buddies are probably going to be going to these races well does it is it exclusively only for australians or is it just setting the servers to be australian no matter what yeah you can race these as americans it's just you'll it'll be kind of flip-flopped where you'll be racing on their servers so you'll be the one that's having you know ping issues (laughs) that seems kind of fair to me so what they're doing is they just literally rent servers in Australia physically that are like in a data center and then remotely installed all the stuff on it, of course, from Boston. And then the races are literally hosted from those servers. So the latency is low for all for 80%, 90% of the drivers are from that area. And then people from the U.S. or uh, Europe or whoever that connect, they're the ones that are going to be having the you know ping problems. I think they've, they've already had Australian servers available because you could always host them there if you ran a hosted race. I think what they're changing is no matter, even if, say, five Americans and four Australians sign up in one of these time slots, it's going to be an Australian server. I think that's just basically Default what they're setting there, it to. Right. Yeah. That makes sense, especially if, if 80 or 90 whatever percent are you know from that area anyway. It makes sense. They're going to be a little bit more encouraged to show up knowing that even basically they're guaranteed a better ping time at that time so uh we like our podcast obviously but we like to drop in and listen on other podcasts especially when it's a regular racers podcast talking about i racing and david kamer dropped in on dinner with racers and i gave this podcast a listen a couple of days ago very uh very enjoyable show uh they he talked a lot about his real racing history as well as his history in race coding um they also talked about a, quite a bit about the i rating system you know as people are always wanting to tweak it 
they chatted about how what goes into building a car in the sim. And this was pretty interesting. He said you could come up with about eighty to hundred. It's basically about an eighty hundred, eighty to a hundred thousand uh, dollar price tag including all the labor and they don't just scan the car they scan the car and they take it apart and weigh all the suspension parts and everything um so it's a quite an adventure and the 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 guys on the podcast have a specific car that they love that they want to see um but it comes down to not not just the fact that it costs that much money to build it but they only have so much manpower and they have to choose what they're going to apply that manpower towards and then they they'll never be able to get to everything also, um, this one was pretty entertaining. He called Nim the mom of NASCAR. The mom of NASCAR? Okay. Because <laughs> he's like scolding the bad drivers for bad driving behavior? Yeah, you know, he's, Nim is the, the steward. He handles all the protests, and it, it was pretty entertaining. Uh, it was a good podcast. It's a good listen. Uh, this particular show, they were in a long format, uh, but I fortunately had some time on my commute. It is a good show. I, I can't keep up with it because they're, they're usually almost two hours per episode. But anyway, they do have some great people come on. And David Kamer was one of them. Uh, thanks to listener Clay Wagner from Canada who sent that in. I appreciate that. Thank you. Adam, uh, this story blew me away. Kawanda Simsport is taking it to the next level. Yeah, this is, this is different. They're, um, they're setting up like a central hub for their team to meet. And it's going to be like a place that has a bunch of rigs that they can meet in Europe and has um, like a sauna and a gym and they can come there and do meetings and podcasts. It's not just a meet. They're going to live there. Yeah, it's pretty It's pretty neat. Imagine us doing that as a team. They're literally moving in together in a ho- into a house. Are they going to turn this into a reality show? They probably could. <laughs> they got a sponsor, VRS, and VRS is obviously paying them to do this. But uh, going into the house is some big names, Josh Rogers, Mac Backham, David Williams, uh, others including Mitchell DeJong, Martin Cronkey, Jeremy Buttloop, are also scheduled to visit throughout the year. There also is permanent resident Philip Stam, who is going to work hard to make the project a success and is providing continuous support to the driver. And so in addition to the fully detached uh, streaming house, is what they call it, the property consists of a spacious living space with a small gym complete with sauna and workshop for hardware prototype development, creating an optimum environment for continued success for the team and to help push sim racing forward as a whole. The house is also open up for ability to host events and guests for competitions, podcasts, and in-person coaching. So this is crazy, guys. I can't believe that... Uh, we got teams doing this. They're, they're, they're really doing it like this is their job. You know, this is the full-time deal. It's kind of like treating it's like it's a, like a Hendrick Motorsports shop for like iRacing, you know, the central hub for the team. Yep. It's very interesting actually going in residence, though, how that will, you know, are you going to wreck a guy because he stole some of your butter out of the fridge? <laughs> but neat for the VRS is uh, ponying up. Obviously, this is not cheap to... You know, put guys up. They got to be paid. You got to have, you know, food, utilities, you know, all the equipment. Uh, the house sounds pretty cool. It's in Germany. Sounds like a, a single guy's dream. All right, let's keep going. Holy crap. Somebody on iRacing has gotten the coronavirus. And it's none other, none other than Bino 
who is a contributor to this podcast. We uh, get a lot of stories from him on the forums. His real name is Philip Jansen Van Rensburg, and he's from Australia. And uh, he's 53. Uh, he's white. He's a non-smoker. But him and his wife were in South Africa visiting family and then returned back to Melbourne uh, on a flight. They did wear a mask and had uh, the stuff for your hands, a sanitizer. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, him and his wife got the coronavirus after they returned home. And uh, he has survived it, is what he's reporting. Uh, he has a long write-up in the forums that tells his story about how it felt. Uh, it, it sounds like a really nasty flu, in summary, is what it sounds like. Uh, uh, upper respiratory infection, sore throat, slight pain when trying to inhale deeply, uh, very painful, uh, and so on. And he goes into detail. And so if you want to have an understanding of uh, what it's like to have the coronavirus and survive, this is kind of an interesting read. But, uh, you know, with iRacing being virtual, you kind of think, well, how can this touch us? But you got to remember, we got real people behind all this stuff. And obviously, uh, there's going to be iRacers. Okay, let's keep moving. Tony uh, Harvick shows us around Phoenix. Yeah, they uh, post up another video uh, using iRacing to uh, give us a, a lap or two around Phoenix through the eyes and the, and the hands of Kevin Harvick. They've been doing these pretty much every week now, and looks like we got uh, uh, another one for Atlanta from uh, Brad Keselowski. Like these things are these things are great. They talk all the way through, let you know what they're doing, what to look for, all the ins and outs of getting around the getting around the track. And as you well know, Harvick's almost the master at at Phoenix. He's got that one just down pat, especially with uh, this racing package. I, I love these. Look forward to them every week. Just give you some nice insight, maybe catch a, a few extra hints and tips yeah you know as we go into the week you know to race it it's nice to watch this just to get you a, oh yeah this is what this track looks like and it, you know you kind of remember it and uh to hear their input oh you know stay down here or go up high and that kind of thing put set that in your mind as you go into the race week i do like to watch these uh, short videos they're they're under two minutes so they're kind of nice to watch nascar is putting these out I think we were asking on our thread, though, are we going to talk about these every week of the year? Probably not. We're probably going to quit talking about them. But I want to remind people they are kind of neat to watch and uh, to hear what the drivers have to say. Okay, Chris, we got a helmet problem with uh, one of the dirt cars. Yeah, Cody Downard posted on the forums that he found a bug with the helmets on dirt. He said this is not game-breaking or anything, but figured I'd point out this bug. It seems to be on all dirt oval cars. The helmet model was changed to the top Air Force pavement helmet model, and the visor no longer lines up with the helmet. It's normal and works fine in the car, just the replay looks off. And you can see with the, the helmet, I guess the in-car view is fine, but yeah, on the replays, the visor is kind of skewed off to the left, so it, it just it looks horrible. But it looks like they're, they've already been made aware, and if it, they'll probably be fixed in the next patch. Yeah, in that first picture, you can kind of peer down and see his eyeball because it's kind of two inches to the right too far or something. Yeah, it's not offering him any protection, that's for sure. All right. Uh, next up, we had a Twitter from Ty Majeski showing a couple pictures. One of his uh, real iRacing Craftsman Chevrolet truck uh, for the race this weekend at Atlanta. But he also put up a picture of his uh, 
long-standing uh, rig for iRacing, which is a desk with a G27 wheel and pedals with a really old laptop with a tiny little fan blowing air on it. And he here's what he said. He said, doing some final iRacing testing for AMS updates this weekend. I have never been so... I'm extremely thankful to have iRacing as a tool to shorten my learning curve. So he hasn't been to Atlanta before, so he's been getting some laps on iRacing. I actually caught this tweet and, and got in a, a podcast plug with him, and he liked it, but he didn't reply. So I don't know if he was listening or not, but if you are there, hey, Ty. Well, he knows we're a big fan. Uh, obviously, iRacing is a sponsor on his truck. We'd love to have him on the show. He's got the biggest iRating in Oval. So, uh, yeah, let's have him on. Come on on, Ty. All right, next podcast, uh, housekeeping notes. Uh, don't forget about show notes, guys. we got lots of pictures, links. You guys can follow along while you listen. It's in the description of the podcast. Uh, we do appreciate listener involvement with content. Email us link, links directly to iRacersLounge at gmail.com. Very easy to send in. Just email it to me. No explanation necessary. And uh, don't forget to subscribe and leave reviews on your podcast uh, platforms. Uh, we're also on the Performance Motorsports Network uh, in regular rotation over there. In fact, I've been asked to be a, a guest host to help over there uh, next week on one of their other shows. So stay tuned for that. And with that, let's jump to the uh, hardware software. Starting at hardware software, we have uh, one of the wickedest looking LMP Pro simulators I've seen. So this is actually kind of almost an enclosed cabin, and it has the triple monitors, but they're more off to the side instead of at the angle that we usually see them at uh, inside it. And it looks pretty wicked. Extreme angle on the monitors, actually. Yeah, it's 90 degrees instead of 45. Right, it's, right. It's right there in the windows, and then you actually have a canopy blocking the view where you would where it would normally be blocked if you were actually in an LMP. It's very enclosed, you know, and and when you see the picture on the website of of the cockpit part, I mean, it looks like a real race car kind of way, you know, it, it with the belts and everything and you have to kind of crawl down into it and there's a roof and you know, the whole thing. Yeah, and LMPs sit almost at a at an IndyCar angle. They're a little bit more like the Formula cars because they're a little shorter than your GT cars. But it has a button box um, that looks like the form the Fanatec Formula wheel right up there, as well. It's wild. <laughs> that looks like fun, huh? It's kcrsimulators.com, and I did see a price, so you know what that means. Yep, high dollar. Yeah. Speaking of prices, um, tell us about 2020 and computer prices, Adam. Yeah, it looks like 2020 computer prices might go up um, with disease thing, corona going around. It looks like maybe computer prices, it might be hard for stuff to be made. Considering a lot of stuff comes from China, it might be hard to get it shipped. So probably availability of things is probably going to be hard to get and prices probably go up. Yeah, so the coronavirus is definitely uh, far impacting uh, because of the China thing. I work in at Verizon and the Apple iPhone, they were about to announce the iPhone 9 in, at, at end of March. They're not going to anymore because of this, and there's parts shortage and, and so forth coming out of China. And so same thing with the computers. If you're trying to build a computer, uh, it's going to be, you know, there's going to be less supply, so that's going to drive up the price. So, yeah, it's going to get more expensive. Okay, we got some gloves. To no, not gloves. The dash, right? 
Rice Tack Dash. Yeah, yeah. You're messing with me there. I was like, wait a minute, did I miss something? But uh, no, it's a new Tack Dash from Rise. Um, and yeah, it's uh, can I say? Except it is gorgeous. It is uh, it's a tachometer, uh, with like looks like a carbon fiber, um, uh bit of a there's some display and a couple of buttons kind of wrapped around it um gives you your uh, your gear indicator and then there's a little lcd display kind of right above the the tack that uh, gives you various uh information like some fuel mileage and and uh other stuff um the the tacks all lit up with a nice bright blue very easy to read very easy to see um does come I guess it would be about an appropriate price tag for for what's going on here. I mean, it, it's small, but it's it's absolutely gorgeous. I love it. It's a two hundred dollar unit, um, but these things are are, are handmade, and you, know, you can tell there's a lot of work done and put into this thing. It's a it's a really really nice piece. Love love the analog RPM. You know, like a traditional uh, you know muscle car look. Big bright shift light as well. That's the drawback on this particular product. I I don't know if it's just the camera work, but the big N that's really bright and red on the left is kind of annoying. It's so bright. Yeah, it won't be that bright. It's a lot of lens flare. Okay, that's what I'm thinking. I was thinking I would like the RPM dash probably without that, and I would really like it. It's nice. Wouldn't do me much good in VR, but I've got the VR equivalents. All right, now this guy uh, sells them on his Facebook page. We've talked about this guy a couple weeks ago with some other stuff. And so this was another product that he came up with. And uh, what we talked about before was a push-to-talk button with a long cord just on a USB that you can kind of just attach to a wheel. And uh, they were pretty nice. And so um, now he's got these RPM gauges. So it's Rise Engineering on Facebook. Now, before we jump off this one, I just want to throw this go just below that uh, that tack. There's they got another post here that he's got these little tiny, you know, three two button and uh, one rotary dial um, units that attach to um, basically any like normal type racing. They attach right to the kind of the spokes of the wheel, and they're they're small and you can add as many as you can fit on the wheel, but they're just very simple. Uh, two buttons, one rotary dial. Um, they're very clean, small, very small footprint. Um, I, I, they look extremely useful and well put together. I just want to throw that out there too, because those are nice little units as well. Yeah, 70 for those. If I had a true pure oval rim that didn't have a lot of buttons on it, I might that might be handy. Uh, even with the button box, it's still really nice to have your, say, your push to talk and that other stuff right on the wheel so you don't have to completely take your hand off. Oh, time to upgrade there, Mr. Hall. Ah, the force room is still working for me. See, it handled pretty well uh, last night. Okay, I became aware of this one the other day. It's Race Lab Apps, and uh, I'm not familiar with it really, uh, but I did find their YouTube page. And uh, it, at Race Lab on YouTube, and they have a demo video up, and they have overlays for streaming or just for in VR kind of thing, where you can put up a relative, and this is that relative that shows the uh, safety rating, I rating, uh, as well. Um, so that's kind of neat to have, and so if you're looking for different kind of overlays, uh, check this out. It's called Race Lab Apps. I don't think anybody on our team is using this. Are, have you heard of this, David? 
No, but I'm going to have to look over the, the VR video. I just took a glance at it, and it's. I'm going to have to look at how they're getting it into the VR and see if it might be more convenient than the way I'm doing things now. Yeah, they're also on Twitter at RaceLab3, the number three. And uh, they have stuff up there, too, about their software. Okay, next up, uh, Tony, the Ubersteer.com. Yeah, it's a site dedicated to allow... Uh, <laughs> I'm just reading this right from the script. Uh, sharing of your favorite settings for devices with fellow racers and gamers. Um, I didn't really do any research on this one. Um well, it's pretty cool. I mean, if you have a particular wheel, like let's say you buy the SimuCube 2 Pro and you want to figure out what settings to run, you could go here and get people's settings. Okay, so it's it it's a spot where everybody can just um, give everything they know on, on, on specific uh, sim racing uh, gear, correct? Right. Like Beautiful. if I have the DD1 and these are my particular settings... And uh, if you want to match them, you can go on the website and just read them off there and put them in. Well, that, what a great website. Yeah, because finding this stuff on the forums is a challenge, to say the, the least, because the, the search function in the forums is pretty horrible. Well, yeah, not only that. I mean, there's a lot of you know different ways to get that information, but you could go down a, like a Google search hole for like, great, it might take you like two hours. So to, um, to have just one spot there to go in and get that specific stuff yeah it's a great idea i hope it gets a lot of support because th this will help out a lot of people yeah go check it out guys it's ubersteer.com and then chris boy uh eye candy here from jinx shifters yeah they uh, put up a facebook post um that they had delivered some uh custom or some pictures as a, a custom job for john mcspedden uh, some of their shifters and yeah i don't know how much these things cost <laughs> But they're they're just amazing looking. I mean, they're they look like top of the line. What is hydro? Hydro dipped carbon fiber shifter. So it's metal, but it looks like carbon fiber. Uh, basically, what it is is um, you you get these uh, pre-printed sheets. You lay them in water, and you dip your whatever parts you want into that. And then when you pull it out, um, it'll apply the the graphic that you'd laid in the. That's crazy. I mean, they look really sharp. Yeah, if you can do like a quick search on on YouTube, these guys uh, do it. It does take some skill. I've uh, I've tried it with you know spraying uh, just spray paint in in a bucket of water, and you know that works, but you're not going to get a very nice design. It's just going to be kind of random and and whatever. But these are specific uh, sheets to have. Um, it does take a it does take some skill to get those. Uh, those designs to, to look proper and, and nice and neat, but it comes out very, very clear. Looks really what look really good when you got a guy knowing what he's doing. But you can't find any flaws in the pattern, so it looks like it's carbon fiber. Well, that's just it. You're not going to find those flaws. You're not going to find seams or anything like that. Um, and in the uh, in the airsoft game, there's lots of guys uh, doing this, uh, dipping parts of their guns and stuff to get the various camos and stuff all over their gun. It's just like I said, when it's done right, um, they're absolutely gorgeous. Is this the next thing past powder coating? Is this when powder coating is not good enough? This is like next level? Well, oh, yes, for, for looks. Um, powder coating is going to stand up to to punishment better than, than a hydro. Um, you're not going to get the look, uh, that nice look for, from powder coating like you can with hydro dip. So this sells for $695. Dang. 
without the carbon fiber. So how much would you guess that carbon fiber costs? Another couple hundred bucks or something? Uh, it's no less than a hundred. <laughs> well, shifter. The hydro dipping, like I said, the the, the material. I'm not 100 percent on uh, the pricing of the material, but I know it's not like you know crazy cheap like a can of spray. So there's there is a process to it, and like I said, it's a skill. So um, you you know you want good quality work done. Um, you you got to pay for it. Just like knowing that Tony has tried to make this work with a can of spray paint. <laughs> That's definitely beautiful. the DIY approach. Yep. So jumping to the other side of the cost spectrum, for just about uh, 15 euros, you can buy a couple of little pads that help you mod your Threadmaster pedals, Thrustmaster, Thrustmaster pedals that allow, give a more realistic feel. It ra basically raises them a little further away than, than the gas pedal. So it just pushes the pedal out closer to you? Yeah, it's basically a spacer. Okay. I don't know if I understand why, though. Why would you want it? No, so I think, so I, I did something similar to this on my, okay, so I know what they're doing. So I did a homemade version of this when I had these pedals. But uh, what I did is, so behind where the pedal actually hits the plastic, um, I put furniture movers there, those big old um, rubber stoppers. And it made like a almost, you know, a fake feel in the pedal, almost like a spring, an extra spring, like a really hard spring. And that's what these are. You put them on that backside and it gives you, I thought, maybe, but no, David, maybe you're right. They just literally mount behind the pedals. Yeah, just, they're spacers. They, there's basically spacers. They just, uh, most cars, your brake pedal sticks out a little further than your gas pedal. Okay, and, I see. And so it's just, it's just raising them up a little further away. So that that they don't, they're not as flat as the um, the gas pedal. Uh, I almost kind of did the same thing with my V3 pedals. I use the curved pedal for my brake, and then I use the flat for my gas, and it gives it gives that brake. It makes the brake have that little, like it's just slightly out a little bit more feeling. Okay. Uh, next up, we found uh, Simcore has their standalone wireless SimuCube compatible wheel button box kind of hub button box shifter thing it's like the thing you need to put a regular steering wheel on and so they have it for sale now at $579 and it's at simcore.com.au so they're from Australia uh, you can uh, order the small paddles or the large paddles uh, you can do a core logo or no logo or even a custom logo in the middle and uh, so forth and uh, Boy, you know, not a bad looking hub and wireless. Pretty pricey though. Yeah, considering the Fanatec hub is 350, but it's got the crap buttons. But if you want to get, you know, like a Max Pappas wheel and you get a base like this to put it on, or, or I mean a hub like this to put it on and then get a Simucube 2 to go with it, I mean, that's a pretty nice setup. So what do you think of the buttons and uh, the layout there? They got carbon fiber. Uh, they got rotary push buttons, uh, different sizes, different colors. It's a, it looks like it might be a reach for the rotaries, but usually when you're going rotary, you do have to pull your hand off the wheel. Uh, it is nice that it has the three different size buttons up at the top. Uh, all three of them have a different feel. One is just a wide button, one is a little button, and one is a, a button with a rim. And so it's pretty easy to not get your thumb lost, especially if you can't see the buttons. It says, also comes with two rechargeable batteries, one inside the box and one spare. So it does run on a battery. That's interesting. 
I guess it's got to have power some way, huh? Okay, let's keep going. Chris, now available for purchase, some of the most uh, sought-after VR goggles to date. Yeah, I'm looking, trying to bring the um, post back up. Who was it that made the Instagram post again? Oh, that was uh, SimRace underscore Room. Yeah, he showed up at Instagram post. He had three laptops up on his desk, ready to order, uh, get in on the pre-order. I don't know if he's trying to order a bunch of them or what, but he was uh, waiting for the, the stroke of midnight kind of thing to order these. Yeah, they might have had like a bunch come out or something, and he they got in that group because out of curiosity, I went and tried to order one because, I, as I understood, these things have been pretty hard to get a hold of. All of the VR headsets have been. And these still are. It said I had a greater than eight weeks waiting list. So they must have what? got the, yeah, they must have got a bunch of them and now it looks like they're back ordered again. Okay, so this definitely was on sale when I put the link in here earlier in the week. So you're saying <laughs> they already sold out? Yep, yep. At least eight weeks out. Damn. As of about a week or two ago, uh, one of our other teammates was looking for a Rift S and couldn't find it anywhere. Yeah, Flowers has been trying to, has been looking into VR headsets for the last couple of weeks or so, and he's been having a heck of a time. So, Chris, when I look down and I see the different packages, which one would you order? I really think for um, iRacing, I would just order the headset. Like, the, the controllers actually are kind of a hassle. They I had the battery die in my controller, and it cost my headset to black out in a race the other day. So, I mean, they can... They can be kind of a hassle. They are nice if you, um, there are things you can do in VR with them that you can't do without. But if all you're going to be using them is for iRacing, really, uh, well, I guess with um, the Rift, you just need a headset. With the mm. Index, I'm not sure if. It does Rift say S, require base station. Yeah, I think with the Index, you have to have their base stations. With the Rift S, you can just have the headset. Yeah, but it pretty so, much only come. It always comes with the controllers now, anyway. And um, where you do need the controllers is if you want to position any overlays, kind of floating in the field, you're going to need that controller. But yeah, that's been one of the biggest drawbacks of the Rift S compared to just the Rift, is it chews through those batteries. Um, once you get that battery low warning, you better get off of it because it will black out the screen. It's cost me races before too. So as soon as it starts dinging at me. Well, if I'm already stuck in a race, you can just yank the battery out. You just yank the battery out, and you won't get the warning anymore, and it won't black screen out on you. Yeah. Um, but you better, but you'll need to replace it if you want to move stuff around the next time. Yeah, that was the the tip that Steve Thompson gave me: just race without those batteries in, and you'll be all right. All right. So they have the headset itself, four ninety nine. The base station, one fifty. Yeah, so no, you yeah. have to. So pay that at least, I think, right? Yeah, you'd have to have the... So that has the outside tracking, so you would have to at least have the base stations and the headset. All right. If I was looking at VR, I'd be looking at those. Yeah, if you can find one. Honestly, if you're looking at VR, I'd just kind of keep an eye out on all the, the, the few best ones like that and the Rift S and grab the first one you can get because they're hard to get hold of. Okay. Next up, our uh, friend Dave Cam uh, found a new button box we haven't seen. David. Okay, um, I got to got a chance to watch this video earlier. It's just, it's actually not too long. It's about a three minute box, and he was definitely adamant about the fact that he bought it himself. Um, so you've got basically a kind of a landscaped formatted box. He get he ran over the measurements. It's about fifty millimeters thick. Um, I don't remember how tall and wide it was. It's got quite a few buttons and rotaries on it. And what's really particularly neat about this one is it has an iFlag display as well. Um, so if you're not a VR driver, 
you know, this might be the button box for you. He, re he really liked it. Um, and it definitely has enough buttons that you can cover most of your needs in the sim racing. Uh, especially if you also have some buttons on the wheel. Uh, but I think having the iFlag compatibility on the display on there too, pretty neat. Yeah, 150 euros or 150 pounds, I should say. Um, and they have other button boxes. This is SkullSimGear.com. SkullSimGear.com. And uh, they have some other nice button boxes, 20 buttons for uh, 90 pounds, 80 pounds. Uh, they got some button boxes here for 60 pounds. Look pretty nice. And uh, Dave, uh, you know, he made no qualms about it. He seemed to like it. And, uh, you know, I trust Dave. So if he said it's good, it probably is. So uh, check these guys out. I haven't uh, heard of them before. Okay, next up, uh, the Aalogs Shifter Handbrake Review. Uh, was done by the Sim Pit, and they put up a video this week uh, talking about what they thought about it. And uh, this is a beauty, guys. I mean, if you want a shifter, now we just looked at the Jinx one, and but this one is rock solid too. It, it's basically real heavy metal. He talked about how much heft it has in such a small package, and then on the top, it's got a clear acrylic where you can actually see the working mechanism inside as you shift it. He talked about how solid the shifting as he would uh, go from gear to gear. Uh, this is a high-end shifter. So if you want to learn more, this is a great video because uh, he definitely does a good review. We had a little interesting debate going on the other day in uh, chat about whether to get H-patterns anymore. I know I've quit using it on my Fanatec because even doing the workarounds that, and cleaning it out, it would it'll constantly mess up after a month or two. So I've just gotten used to sequential and knowing what NASCAR is going to. Your older cars are going to have H pattern, but I'm, I'm a little less concerned with realism there and I've gotten used to running sequential. Yeah, I'm not running anything besides the paddles myself. I think NASCAR is doing away with that kind of stuff, so I'm not going to do it. But yeah, if you want a shifter, check them out. Okay, and then Tony, we got another video review. Yeah, now, have we covered this one before? Because uh, this looks Swedish awfully... rig design, yeah. Yeah, okay, I thought so. We, we just talked about this in the last couple of weeks. It's it's a full, full out uh, review up on YouTube, the Swedish rig design Modus Ultimate. Um, it's a it's an eighty twenty built rig with the with the D box type uh, motion setup. Um, I, uh, I did not watch the, the whole review. Obviously it's 40 minutes long. Um, but he, he basically builds the whole thing. It's, it's a whole walkthrough on how to, how to build this and, and, uh, get her working and, you know, finally driving it. And he gives his final thoughts. Um, had I put a little bit of forethought into this, I would have skipped right to the end and listened to what he had to say about it. I did not do that. Um, but, uh, with the video part of it, I mean, that's that's great. Just a complete walkthrough. You know what's happening. You know how to put it together. Um, that's always a, a, a lot of help. And since we've already talked about the, the rig itself, um, not really much more to say than that. It's, a, it's an 80-20 with D-Box. I mean, it's it's cool as hell. Yeah. This, this one was really focused on the build of the 80-20 rig itself. And he said he's going to do a separate video on the motion part of it. But it was just really concentrating on building of the rig. And as I watched it, I was thinking, man, if I didn't have a video to follow along, 
I would have no idea how to put the thing together. I mean, literally no idea. Because I was kind of paying attention to how he would try to figure out what piece goes where and where to put the nut and the bolt and all this. And and he's good at it. And so, like David said, when he you built your rig, you had to go to his videos uh, for help too. Oh, there's the, at least from Sim Labs, the instructions aren't instructions it's just a schematic and it doesn't tell you what what order you should go in or anything and uh yeah so i just i just would copycat his video even though uh some of the parts were a little bit different with the with the p1x versus the p1 basically the pedal assembly was different but yeah that that guy is the guy to watch when it comes to putting together an 8020 rig now the swedish rig design uh 8020 the one drawback is uh that he kind of pointed out throughout the video was the where the wheel mounts it just basically on a wheel platform with two uh, bases that go straight down and there's no other support besides the two bases that are two legs that go straight down and there is a tiny bit of movement there as he drives even though it's 80 20 there is a tiny bit of flex and so he was a little hesitant about the design of that you know, he's like, well, maybe you could add some more reinforcement or another brace or a cross brace to get rid of that, you know, movement. But uh, it wasn't much. Uh, it wasn't enough to, to give it a, a bad mark or anything, but it was something that was pointed out. Doesn't this have a separate monitor stand as well, which is kind of we kind of don't agree with uh, as far as motion rigs go? Yeah. So that's the other thing is, yeah, should you have the monitors with it or without but the other part of it is, uh, so the next video, probably next week, is he'll uh, put on that motion and kind of go through that. Uh, basically, the motion just bolts onto the bottom of the 8020 and, uh, you know, on the four corners. Okay, Adam, the video card that costs over $5,000. Linus Tech Tips has a video up of a graphics card that's $5,000. And the guy's got a pretty gnarly computer, he puts it in, I don't know what. What do you need that expensive of a graphics card for, though? Uh, rendering high-end videos and stuff. Uh, you need a lot of... Uh, you need a long video you need to render. And so you need a lot of video RAM. And so these cards have 48... I think it's 48 gigabytes of video RAM. Oh, I could use that for my video editing with the GoPros, then. <laughs> I just don't have the type of money. To... And, and this guy was talking about doing SLI, two of them, in a machine, so you'd have 96 gigabytes of uh, video RAM. Ten grand on graphics cards. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I, I want to know what the CPU is using. So uh, the name of this card is the Titan RTX uh, Quadro. And he was talking about the differences between the Quadro Titan RTX and the regular Titan RTX. And it really comes down to the video RAM. There's some different connectors as far as the, uh, you know, display port and HDMI and that kind of thing. Uh, the fan configuration is a little different. But other than that, they're pretty similar, uh, except for the, you know, the extra RAM. That's my, my take from the video. You see the uh, one part of the video right around a five-minute mark. He's got, looks like, three of those cards linked up. And to that, I think he's running like 16 different monitors, and it's, but it's all um, kind of set as, you know, one monitor or triples and, and four monitors. But yeah, I think there's like 16 monitors. It's just this huge display. Man, Yeah, video awesome. wall. Yeah, yeah, like holy hell. <laughs> yeah, he was saying they have a special connector where you can tie the cards together. 
um, and you link them that way so that it makes the video wall, but you would have to get several of these cards to run a video, like a bunch of them. Yeah, well, I, I, I think I counted three in his case as right. he was kind of linking them up, but... 15,000. 15 grand. My Lord. Wow. Yeah, so if you want the best, uh, there it is. Okay, next up, uh, I got a message from Gary Tall, and he's the guy who made iRacer Assistant, which is a software that you can install on your computer and run, and it will assist you in, run, in enjoying your iRacing. Its big function is to copy the app INI and the DX13 INI uh, and make backup copies and you could have uh, switch between VR and monitor with a button by swapping those files out with this software and that's what it's really designed for. Uh, what I use it for is just launching all my third-party apps, TeamSpeak, OBS, MobCrush, you know, sim racing apps, dual real timing. I can push one button and everything launches and I don't have to do. So I use it for that. Uh, he has all this other stuff he added to it in this new release, including new functionality to edit the base shaker stuff that was just added to iRacing. So in, so we talked about it a little bit last week in the base shaker stuff. If you go in the app I and I, you can adjust the parameters of what you're hearing in that base shaker. And so this software will give you a nice user interface to modify those settings without having to go in the app I and I. Um, he also added a new graphics optimization tab that provides an easy way to set up the new LOD commands as well. And so, as well as some other stuff. And he also has some PDFs about how to get a quick start uh, on the base shaker and the LOD. And so he has instructions as well. Uh, check him out in the forums. His name is Gary Tall, and it's called iRacer Assistant, all one word. And I do recommend it. And Tony, how are we doing with fantasy? Uh, there was uh, a lot of movement happening uh, I see. throughout the Phoenix race. Uh, it was certainly an exciting race to watch. And as usual, I sit down and I watch the race, and I have this fantasy live thing kind of sitting right beside. Me. Try to keep up on it throughout the race because well if you got to pull your garage guy you only have till the uh end of this second uh stage to be able to do that and mike i gotta give you like the biggest tip um get rid of newman he ain't helping you at all right You're not getting any points <laughs> um you're really losing valuable uh possible points there by not being able to utilize your garage so, uh fire him out until he gets back in the car once he gets back um, you know, by Still all means, them. use them up. Well, <laughs> Except for short so, tracks. I wasn't going to change him because I was actually at the Phoenix International Raceway for the race, and I wasn't going to try to do my fantasy while I, was, while I was there. But regardless, I moved up in points. I went from 10th to 4th. Yeah, yeah, you did, um, <laughs> which is awesome. So obviously, you really didn't need that garage pick at all. So, you know, it worked out for you this week. Um, just a quick rundown. Um just in time, he's uh, he's sitting in first overall, uh, followed by G.I.J. or G.I. Jojo. Yeah. Um, I actually jumped up a few spots. I'm sitting in third place. Mike, you're in fourth. Chris, you're in fifth. Uh, T-Bob is sixth. Kerry, C-All is in seventh. Laird, iRacing is in eighth. T-D-E-W-R is eighth place. Res Dog. Oh, I am so sorry here. 
Laird Racing and TDEWR are tied for eight. And oh. rounding out the, the top ten is Red's Dog. Um, Smiling Ninja is uh, my beautiful wife there. She is just sitting back ready to pounce on that top ten spot. She's uh, she's really made some gains over the last couple of weeks. She went a little too conservative uh, the first couple of races, but she's she's getting into her groove, so watch out. She's freaking ant. What happened there to my go. high rating sucks? <laughs> Did we lose him? I didn't even find out who he was. Did he change his name? Well, I think the basis, I me no, I was going to say because I see a I rating keeps suffering, but there's also a protesting if I lose. Um, <laughs> may, maybe that's what he changed to. Uh, some of these guys got some pretty good names. I'm, I'm digging it. But our numbers are, uh, we're getting up there. We're at, uh, we're at 30 now. And, you know, a couple more. And that doubles that, uh, that challenge I put out there near the beginning of the, there's still time guys like sign up. Um, you know, not everybody, we all, we all miss a, a race or two throughout this. Um, you, you still have a chance to jump in and, and, uh, ride up the ranks. Another thing on the Newman situation, he actually got hit in the seat by LaJoy's car from a, when he did an interview yesterday, he said he got hit in the seat by the car and the cage was compromised, compromised. Damn. It's amazing. He made it. All right, let's jump into results. Uh, Phoenix, let's finish up NASCAR iRacing Series. Uh, P31 for me on Thursday fix. I was wrecked out. I don't even know what happened. Uh, let's move on to Friday open. Uh, Nick Williams got a P5. Nice run. Led some laps, kept the car clean, worked to the front. Stayed out when the field pitted with about 20 to go and just had to hang on. And I had to talk Nick into doing that, I think. I was the one who told him to stay out, stay out. Uh, we were trying to do what Greg did the other day, where he stayed out on 30 laps and, and got a P3. And even though at the time it was a tough decision, it worked out. At the end, he got a P5. So I ran and I got P2. Ran top 10 all day. I made a mistake on the pit sequencing, but did recover. It was a great run. Even though it was a P2, I didn't have uh, anything for the lead for the win. Uh, but man, so happy to get some good points. Uh, I think I'm P4 in points in Division 2 right now, or P5, actually. David, you're P4. Yeah, I did get to watch this one uh, as I was out of town doing family stuff, and I was pretty happy to see it. Yeah, thanks for the, uh, watching the stream there, David, uh, and giving me some encouragement. Uh, Tony Rochette ran with us. He got a P29. He got wrecked by a sideswiper. Uh, he said, Phoenix hated me, but did get to run and uh, complimented by Tony the Tiger paint from the mode motorsports owner and former chicago bear kyle long who was in the race with him uh told tony he liked his paint so he was happy and then tony you got p14 <laughs> i did and oh so bittersweet like i said before i mean this just riddled with cautions um but i i, I just i kept fighting i was uh right up till like the white flag i was in the top 10 and i was uh digging on the bottom trying to trying to get more and well that just did my favor and i ended up taking out another guy with me um kind of got uh i got loose coming out of four and just couldn't hang on to it and unfortunately yeah i, I took another guy out we had raced a few times throughout the race and we're you know he was racing me nice and clean i went and blew it right at the end but uh one lap to go i just I didn't want to take my foot off the accelerator. I had to I had to go for it, try, and it didn't work. Okay, and then Sunday fixed. Uh, I was going to race. 
I went down to sit down to five minutes till and realized, holy crap, I've done it again. I've missed the race due to the dang time zone. And it was uh, 6.55 my time. The race usually starts at 7, but after the time switch, it starts at 6. And so I was 55 minutes late to the race, and I freaking missed it again every time this happens. I, and I was thinking about it, too. I don't know why. I was thinking about it for next week for the NIS on Wednesday and Thursday. I wasn't thinking about Sunday, and it caught me. I think next year you just have to miss one based on tradition, on purpose right. even. Yeah, what? I don't know. It's a mental block, I guess. Oh, uh, Nick did run. Sorry, Mike. I was just going to say it's hilarious because I know Greg uh, was reminding you, even on the podcast, I think last last week, was reminding you about this, not to miss it. And, it was a lot of reminders. Still did. Yeah, it was. That, that's so great. You never, you never uh, fail to impress us with your time zone issues. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. All right, Nick Williams got a P9, got got some damage early from both clipping the wall and being caught in some incidents, avoiding cautions. Took the lead late with the field, uh, pit to gain track position, and just like Friday, hung on to get what he can get. So nice run again for Nick. Let's move on to Atlanta, Wednesday Open. I got a P8. Man, was I happy with that because I was super loose off of two, and I actually caused a second caution uh, when I hit the wall. Uh, was 29th after that and then two green flag runs I split it into three runs of 40 laps each but there was a later caution I restarted 10th got about to 8th but uh, had a front row seat to watch David you got it done P1 yeah I went with a different strategy than you I split it into 60 laps both me and the guy that were leading did that he had a really good long run set up and mine was good on the long run, not as good as his, but I could really kill him on the short run. Um, at first, I was pretty upset when I saw the caution because I was going to be happy just coming home with a second, getting a good solid finish. Um, we came in with, what, 18 laps to go. Uh, uh, started out on the outside and passed him on the outside and took the lead and was about uh, one second in the lead with eight laps to go. Caution comes. Not too happy then, obviously, because at that point, I had pretty well sealed the deal. I come in and pit. And I'd actually had accidentally announced that I was pitting because I was talking. I started talking about take percentage. I come in and pit. Four cars stay out, and another one takes two tires. So I have to start sixth. Um, but it's Atlanta, and even though we had burned only about eight laps on those tires, I was able to pass them all on the outside except for the leader. And when I got to him, he couldn't hold it down. Passed them on the inside in turn four, and took the win. Yeah, I took it literally. I was starting eighth on that restart right behind you. And I didn't tape up, and that might have been the difference, but I also had a little bit of damage. Uh, yeah, you just drove away from me, so you took it. Yeah, the car was really good. I was really happy with the set. I, I spent the most time, I think, working on it. Um, and y'all probably might have... I tend to like looser for some reason than a couple of you. Uh, but speaking of loose, the patch has my pedals working now. My V3 pedals are working, and now I can feel the loose even before I see it. And that just allowed me to put it even more on the edge at, in Atlanta. Okay, very good win, man. That's uh, two this year. Uh, you're fourth in points, division two. Uh, third, let's keep it, keep it going. We're third and fourth now. Third and fourth, perfect. All right, Tony Rochette, P6, uh, fought loose all race. He said he sucked on the restarts, found something that clicked with about 20 to go and got up to P6. Uh, Chris Scales, uh, this is the one where you got wrecked out and uh, ended your streak of zero incident. Yep, yep, no more zero X. Yeah, I was 
was having a good race. The, our set was really fast, but it was um, a little on the loose side. And I was running third, first, and second. We're battling each other pretty hard, and I lifted a little bit because I thought they were about to wreck, and the car just got a little bit squirrely, and I probably could have got out of it a little bit more and saved it and been fine, but I got in the gas and it <laughs> fishtailed, and that was it. Smacked the wall, and that was over. Okay. It, it was a tough set. I don't know if it's a set or the track or what, but I had a hard time off too. If you if you don't hold the wheel straight and just kind of use the pedal to turn it, man, it's yeah. And that's where it was. Yeah, it was really touchy there, and yeah, I just I had to check up a, just a little bit in the wrong spot, and that's all it took. Okay, and then uh, I ran today, got wrecked out. Uh, car felt better than yesterday, but the temp was a little cooler. But was still loose off too and i ended up blowing it and just losing it off too and killed it on the inside wall and did not finish uh, bobby jonas ran with me he wrecked out of the top 10 or top five again and then chris you also ran and got wrecked out running near the front yeah that was a that was looking to be a really good race i was running there was only maybe seven of us on the lead lap because we had a a green flag pit stops and then a caution yeah, probably 15 laps later so there was a group of us on new tires were way far away from anybody else i was running maybe fourth or fifth in that group and went to pass a guy that was way slower than the rest of us and he just smacked the wall coming out of two and came down across the track and took us both out yeah it was disappointing i don't know how that race turned out but it was i mean if that didn't cause a caution and if it stayed green for a while the all of us up front were were sitting pretty all right, let's jump to Road to Pro. We all ran, I think with nine of us. Tony Rochette, uh, what should have been a P4 was flagged for going over the 18X on the final turn of a green-white checker when the field wrecked in front of him and he got tapped. Caught a few wrecks by the same guy twice. He ended up P11. I got P8, led a lot of laps. I was second on the outside of the white. Uh, went a hair high. The guy behind me snuck it in the middle. I hit the wall and fell back to eighth. But man, I was in position to win. I was leading laps. I was up front in the top three. I was right there at the white flag. You know, it was Daytona. Man, I was wanting it. And you know how I win at Daytona. And I just, I almost had it, you know. And I was really wanting it, but I just blew it. But hell, I'll take a P8. Uh, Phil Gary, he ran. He had a good run. It was going P6 on his white and got wrecked completely down to 20th. Uh, Phil was very upset uh, after the race. Uh, uh, sorry to hear that, Phil, uh, because he's been trying so hard getting ready for the uh, lots of practice for Phil. Uh, Nick Williams, he got a P10. He ran in the back, lapped down at one point, but the point was to stay out of trouble, and it worked well. Only incident came with two to go. Uh, made my move up to the middle of the backstretch, and the car at the bottom came up into him while the car on my outside came down. I kept it straight, and no caution came out. Tyler Conroy, 17th. Slid through his box on a green flag stop and just didn't recover from that. When you're in those topper, uh, upper splits, uh, you can't make any mistakes, and that's what Tyler uh, got. Uh, Adam, you probably had the worst night of everybody yeah, out early. My, my Daytona luck this year just it continued over to this race. I made it six laps instead of two this time. There's someone left rear me in the corner. I don't know what they're thinking, but yeah, we, we only scored nine points in that race. Finished pretty much dead last. 
Okay, and so uh, looking at points, there were 859 participants. I'm the highest in points on the team and 203rd in points. And uh, most of us made the top half of, the, of all those people, uh, except uh, about, about half of us. But uh, the biggest uh, thing was the strength of field in the top split, 71-68. And there's speculation that this is the largest strength of field on oval ever. I think the car number 34 was an I rating of 7094 in that split. And then what split were you in, Adam? I'm a five. I was at 5,000 I rating and I was in split number five at right. the back of split five. And the winner of top split, his championship points were like 400. And like in my split, you get maybe 180. Like David, what'd you get? Like 180 for winning or something? Well, I didn't run Road to Pro. No, but it's something like, yeah, it's like 180 at RI rating, around 3,000. But yeah, these guys are getting 400 points. Up I there. think the winner in mine won 300. So if you're going to make it for my split, I think you pretty much got to win. You got to get your I rating up so you're in those upper splits. I, I so that's all Maybe run some shorter tracks or something. I don't know. <laughs> you got to farm I rating somewhere else because you're not going to gain it just by running Road to Pro. No. It's every two weeks, so you got to get your I rating real high somewhere else, and then run it and do well. But uh, John Gorlinski put up a uh, doc on Google Docs uh, with all the points for everybody, and he even includes a drop week calculation as well. And so this is going to be pretty handy if he keeps it up throughout the year uh, to be, your, be able to see where you're at in points uh, with the drop week. So check out john uh, gorlinski on the forums and he's got that google doc or we got the link in the show notes and that's road to pro daytona too i would go ahead and take the where you're standing now and cut that in half you know because it's such a big fall off in those first couple of weeks just the persistence will help a lot too along with that i rating yeah just don't miss a start is the big thing and you're right not everybody's gonna run and with that let's get into final thoughts adam jocelyn um i ran that charity go-kart race last weekend um i got knocked out of the b main they they gridded me wrong i should have started pole, so started fourth and got shuffled to the back but the event raised over nine thousand dollars and um sunday i adjusted my rig raised the front seat up a quarter inch readjusted where my computer was and added a butt kicker on and uh cleaned my rig off and it's pretty nice now all right well done on the uh, event this weekend chris scales final thoughts until the government, or until people stop flipping out about the coronavirus, I think the government should just pay us all to stay home and play iRacing. <laughs> I don't think that event would have happened if it had been this weekend. <laughs> There's people saying the NASCAR guys need to run iRacing because they can't run the real races. But That would be awesome, yeah. I mean, so many um, places have canceled their events. If they did end up having to cancel NASCAR either you know, this weekend or maybe in the future, that would be a really cool um, thing for them to do, and it would be awesome for eye racing, obviously. Backup solution. All right, David Hall, final thought. Yeah, even if it didn't count for points, that would still be that would still lead to a lot of entertainment value. Uh, we're running Sebring this weekend. Uh, the stream will be up. Come watch. Come say hi. Twitch.tv slash MixMage. And um, remember, my band is always looking for donations, the high school kids. Uh, Patreon.com slash CHSBand. And um, probably, we don't know, but we're speculating that we're going to be taking a two-week spring break instead of one week with all of this going on. We'll see. If that's the case, I'll be putting in a lot more streaming next week. Okay, very good. Uh, Tony Groves, final thought. Uh, nothing really ra racing-related. I 
I think, uh, yeah, last Friday was the last time I was actually on the sim. Um, I will be running tomorrow night, and as well, we'll be recording the second episode of The Aftermath, so look for that. All right, tune in to that. Uh, sounds good. Uh, my final thoughts, uh, thanks to Colin Keister for coming on and uh, getting to know him a little bit, uh, one of the Coke drivers. Uh, looks pretty promising over there. Uh, he's looking for his first win, and uh, and he has got it, man. If you look at his stats in the C uh, trucks, 71% of the races he enters, he's winning. And so uh, he's getting it done for sure. Man, am I happy with my uh, NIS results. Uh, I'm getting top 10s every week so far. Uh, doing really good in points. So right there with David. Uh, and David's got his two wins. I got one. Uh and I'm real happy with how we're performing. The sets have been great, uh, drivable pretty much, uh, and and so forth. So as far as Road to Pro, man, I wanted that win. I thought I could get it. I was in position to get it. But it doesn't always work out that way. And if it was easy, nobody would do it. And uh, so you're going to have disappointment. But that's part of it. So uh, I'll accept it, move on, and we'll get it next time. And with that, we'll see you on the track. Later. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge Podcast. Make sure to go subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.